Hey friends, welcome to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Kendra, and we're two moms that live across the street from each other. And between us, we have 10 kids. We live life together, have fun, and we just want to share that with you guys. We are so glad you're here. On this podcast each week, we think everyone needs a little bit of hope. And we want to tell stories of hope, of how God has changed people's lives. He's shown up in good times and in hard times, and and He can show up for you too. All right, we hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm Megan, and this is the His Beloved of Texas podcast. And you guys, we have some really fun guests today. Two people that I just admire and uh, have learned so much from over the years. Have you ever had someone in your life that didn't just talk about the gospel, didn't just talk about service and love, but actually lived it? Like, you know that they just lead with humble service always. And everything they say is genuine and true and vulnerable and real. Well, that's our guest today. We have Deacon Rudy and Katrina Virial. Deacon Rudy and Katrina were at my parish in Round Rock in Austin, Texas. And they are currently living in Switzerland, which is crazy. (laughs) They've been there for about three years for Katrina's job. But when they were here, I got to watch them up close really live out what it means to love, to serve, to give everything that they have for others, and to encourage others to inspire, to lead, and to teach. And so today, I'm so excited to share them with you. They have four kids, one of which they adopted from China, sweet little Sophia, and they're just a fantastic family, and I can't wait for you to get to know them. All right, hope you enjoy. great podcast for you today and just know that you are in our hearts and minds sitting across the table from us as we record this. <laughs> so you guys, we have two people on the podcast today. I think it's our first married yeah. couple we've ever had and we are recording all the way from Switzerland. <laughs> we have Deacon Rudy and Katrina Virial. You guys want to say hi? Hey guys. Hi. <laughs> so I have had the privilege of um, doing life with Katrina and Deacon Rudy for gosh, probably 10 years now. And we were at the same parish in Round Rock, and I got to see them just live out the gospel. Like when you think of what does it mean to love and serve people near you, people like across the world, I think of Deacon Rudy and Katrina. Mm -hmm. And so as part of our almsgiving series, they seemed like the perfect, the perfect couple to have here. And they are currently living in Switzerland and have been for three years now. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. But coming home this summer. And yay. <laughs> yay, we get to have them back. Um, and so you guys want to introduce yourselves a little bit? I'm Deacon Rudy. Uh, I'm ordained for the Diocese of Austin and I've been married with Katrina for 25 years and we have four children. And uh, currently I'm working on, a, a, I guess I can say this right. I'm working on my doctorate in, in ministry Wow. Um, because I had to pass some time, you know, so it's a good way to pass the time. Mm-hmm. So in Switzerland, it. you weren't working there, is that correct? Or were you able to be a deacon in Switzerland? No, I'm not, I'm not able to be a deacon in Switzerland because um, the Swiss government controls the church. Um, so all church employees, all church, everyone who serves in the church are employees of the government. Wow. And so in order to serve in Switzerland, I have to pass a, a civil service exam in Switzerland. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have the German skills to do that. Oh, wow. In German, you would have to pass that? They're frozen. Oh, no, we're frozen. <laughs> Darn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a little delay there, but you heard us. Back now. Okay. Back now. <laughs> Good. Yeah, for a minute, I couldn't tell if you were just stunned or you were really frozen. <laughs> <laughs> we may have a few moments like that. Where yes. We just have to roll with hang it. in and wait for it to pop back in. But okay, that's fantastic. So, um, this has been a fun adventure for you guys. You've gotten to um, travel a bit and see some pilgrimage sites and do some really fun stuff around Europe, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Got a chance to go to Lourdes with a group um, out of, actually out of the UK based in Switzerland. And so um, all of the your podcasts talking about Lourdes and yes. Lourdes has really been on our heart a lot since uh, since moving here. So it was, wow. it's was it been a tremendous experience and got to go there with our kids on a children's retreat. And it was just Beautiful. amazing. Wow. Well, it's incredible. so funny because we never sought out to find people who had been to Lourdes or who loved Lourdes. And I think mm-hmm. we've had four or five people on the yeah, podcast. The fourth. Isn't that funny? And, and Catherine Whitaker's going soon. So that's gonna happen. my goodness. That's, yeah. our, that's our big ask. I think that's <laughs> right. I think that's God trying to tell us something. We need to go to boards. <laughs> that's our next mission for the podcast. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we need to go. A podcast live from Lords. <laughs> oh. <Thanks. laughs> yes. Now yes. someone explain that to our husbands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, Kendra is going to ask you some married couple questions since you're our first married couple on the podcast. All right. So Deacon Rudy, what is Katrina's biggest pet peeve? You know, she's so perfect. I don't think she has any. Oh, good answer. (laughs) Good answer. That's awesome. Katrina, is he correct? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Far from it. (laughs) That's awesome. Do you have a biggest pet peeve? probably this sounds funny living in Switzerland time where you know timepieces are made but being late is a huge pet peeve of mine so for our wedding which by the way was 27 years ago not 25 (laughs) or whatever you said um so we actually invited his his family who who all you know share his his passion for being late for everything um to we invited them all to come take pictures before the 5 30 mass before our wedding at seven so that nobody left the church so i knew we could actually start the wedding on time so <laughs> genius that's awesome and in honduras there everything's late right always isn't it like honduras time people just mosey on and so you always have to deal with that yeah, no one watching He says that's actually been the way that I've overcome my type AAA personality, which he calls it, is because Honduras has made me just realize that I am so not in control. I need to just let go yeah. of that. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So, Katrina, what is Deacon Rudy's biggest pet peeve? Hmm. Um, Probably me rushing him out the door. <laughs> rushing him on the, making it could be that could be a possibility. <laughs> she right? You rushed. You know, if, you rushed. Gonna, if you got a plan, tell me what the plan is. Don't tell me like five minutes before we're late to something. Well, yeah, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. You sound like Chad and I. He's like, what is his um, motto? To be on time is to be late. To be what is it? To be, to be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late. To be late is to be dead. Yes. And I am <laughs> never where I'm supposed to be. 
you dead a lot, Megan. <laughs> That's funny. So, That's did funny. she get it right, Deacon Rudy? Did she, was that your biggest pet peeve, you think? That, that's probably the biggest. Okay. Yeah, I don't like to be rushed. <laughs> that's good. Good job. Point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It just became a competition. <laughs> okay, so Deacon Rudy, <laughs> what is Katrina's guilty pleasure? Oh, it, it binge watching any TV show. That's a guilty pleasure. You're a binge watcher? I didn't know that. <laughs> well, I, and, and the reality is because I have zero time to watch TV. Yeah, you're like, busy. Normally, so when I do have a moment, it's like, oh, I want to hear the end of the story. So I binge watch till I Oh, that's what I'm <laughs> watching right now. Oh, like, like, I like murder mystery things. So like... NCIS and CSI and Criminal Minds, I think is what those okay, stuff so is. Every stories. time I watch any of those shows, I always fall asleep before the end and I never know who the killer is every <laughs> single time. <laughs> so I feel like I could just keep watching them over and over to be like a new story. That would freak time. me out because I would need the closure. Nope, I can't watch those shows. I, I'm with you, Kendra. I have to have the closure. Yeah, they found the bad person who's in jail or she's in jail and yeah. Yes. But then I'm when safe. I watch, like, I like to watch real, um, what are they called? Like the real crime shows. Mm -hmm. And at the end, I expect them to say like, and this is how it happened. And this is why I killed the person. And this is, and I never get that kind of closure. And that makes me crazy. <laughs> You're like, and we still haven't solved the mystery. I'm like, well, no, that's not fun. Who wrote this? <laughs> is that a point for Deacon Rudy? Did he get it, it is. Right? Okay. Good job. Good job. It okay. Is. One to one. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> Katrina, what is his guilty pleasure? All things Betty Crocker. <laughs> You're missing that, right? Yes, yeah. It, all types of, actually, all, all types of eating out. I guess eating out might be the one because... Um, we, don't, we don't do that here. We don't do it here. It's it's ridiculously expensive um, here. So we, we eat out. And I am blessed to be married to a phenomenal cook. So he, he cooks a lot lot um and very very well so <laughs> i'm still um, but i think like, that eating out is is definitely a guilty pleasure for him yeah i'm still <laughs> dreaming about deacon rudy's chicken and sour cream enchiladas oh they are so good <laughs> when you come home you have to make <laughs> enchiladas okay katrina what is deacon rudy's love language um for him is a uh, touch oh that's good. like that personal touch mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah did she get it right absolutely yeah good job you guys know each other really awesome well. <laughs> and Deacon Rudy what's good <laughs> she you know I think she likes to like when I do things without being asked like if it's mm. cleaning or laundry or whatever just just doing I think is is uh, her love language. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's okay for the podcast, but the sexiest thing out there is a man with a broom. You know, that's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Without being asked. Amen. Girl. Without being asked. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. So last question for both of you. Um, and I'll I'll let it marinate for a second and then you can give your answers. But if you could leave a note for the other person to read the night before your wedding, knowing all that you know now that what, what life has been, you know, 27 years of marriage, 
what would you say? Get ready for blank because blank. How would you fill that in? Is this like a, for the wonderful thing that's going to happen in marriage or like a warning, like, uh-oh, you're getting yourself into which way? Well, it's whatever you okay. want to take it. It's however you want to take it. I was thinking like excitement, you know, whatever. Oh, okay. the, the, <laughs> I took it the other way. The adventurous <laughs> side, but okay. however you want to warn each other. <laughs> Before we got married, we had no idea the adventures that, that we would be on together as a couple. I mean, living in, in Switzerland and, and truly I, we are only here because he is such an amazing encourager to, when I'm to saying, oh, this is of course all the reasons why we can't move halfway around the world. He's like, say yes, just say yes. <laughs> we can, of course we can do this, you know. Um, and going to Honduras and, you know, ad uh, we adopted our daughter from China, all these things that are just amazing adventures that, you know, God blessed us with and, and only because we're together. And you were willing to say yes to all of those big adventures. You didn't say no in fear. It's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. What about you, Deacon Ritty? You know, I, I think I would have said, and I would have wanted to hear also, I, I still need to hear this all the time too, is, is don't worry because everything works out. Mm -hmm. It always works out. I mean, it just, which is true, right? If you really believe that if you turn things over in prayer, that things are going to work themselves out the way they should, then why worry about it? Right. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Okay, well, talking about your big adventures, one of, so you just mentioned that you adopted um, Sophia from China. That's a beautiful part of your story. There's so many different facets of their story that I wanted to hear, but <laughs> like we have to kind of throw it down. Um, but I have had the privilege of being part of the um, ministry that you guys have in Honduras. And while I've never been there myself, um, I've gotten to see so much of it through um, Chad has been, and my mother-in-law has been multiple times, and my father-in-law, mm -hmm. and um, I just know that you're doing amazing work there. And so I would love to hear a little bit about Friends of Los Niños, but mainly I want to hear, or initially anyways, I want to hear about how you guys felt called to this ministry and when God put that on your heart. Yeah, that, it all started when we lived in Plano, um, and we were at members of Prince of Peace Parish, and they had a, um, a ministry fair. And so we were going through the gymnasium, going to all the different booths, and there was a booth for a Honduras mission trip because they have a, a sister parish relationship with a parish in Honduras. And I told Katrina, I said, I really would like to just go. I don't know why, I just want to go. And she said, you're not going without me. <laughs> um, and we had two young children at the time. You know, Rudy and Drew were both very young at the time. Um, so we both said, well, let's figure out how to make it work. And we just signed up and we went, right? We, my parents came and watched the kids and, and we went. And, and that was a really powerful first trip experience. Of course, it was before Friends of Los Niños, but um, actually it was even before Friends of Los Niños was, was founded. But um, it was a really powerful experience. I think we both felt called to do something like that at some point in time, but really didn't know what that looked like. And like Grady said, I mean, we had a, I think a one and three year old at the time or oh, something wow. like that. So they were little and it's like, oh, really, we're going to get on this plane and, um, and go, you know, to another country and all these things. But it just, um, we had a lot of friends that had gone and um, just shared what, what joy it was um, to them to, to go and serve and, so we finally just, it, all the things, again, it's that whole, saying yes, and then God kind of works out everything in our path, like his parents being able to come and watch the kids and, you know, us feeling, you know, able to do that at that time, it, it really just all worked out together. 
Okay, so maybe I'm confused. Wasn't there a story of you guys going and being a part of like, they, you were there on their feast day of Our Lady? Yes. What's that? So that was so, that first trip. Yeah. That was that so, trip. Okay. Yeah, so our, our anniversary. So one of the things that kind of played into this is every year on our anniversary, because we didn't, we had two young kids. We didn't have a lot of time to just go and be away from anything. Mm -hmm. But every year for our anniversary, we would try to take at least a long weekend or something away, just the two of us. And so the year that we decided to do this, we said, well, the way we can make this work is, you know, our, my in-laws uh, would come and watch the kids um, on the week of our anniversary. So we go down on that week and it turns out that while we're there, it's the uh, feast of Our Lady of Las Mercedes, which is um, the patron saint of the town or the the, the main parish and at the, the in the town that we go to and that's on our wedding anniversary and so we get to go through at the time they did this big parade through the streets and you get to help carry the, the statue and stop and there's a rosary at different altars throughout the, the town and it's just this amazing beautiful experience with all of these people just you know, praising God with the loving heart of Mary and, and, you know, and that ended up um, being on, on our anniversary. So what a, what a beautiful way to spend our anniversary. <laughs> so then from that first trip, how did Friends of Los Niños, how was it born? So from that, so then we came back, well, well, I guess it should, there, there's probably a, a big story about um, yeah, so our love of the kids there. So, so the, the part of the sister parish ministry um, they, they ran um, a nutrition center um, that used to be attached to the church that they were their, their sister parish was, um, but at this point it wasn't. It was a separate organization. Anyway, the purpose of the nutrition center was to take in kids who were being, who were malnourished, right? So they lived with mom and dad, but they were just malnourished. So the, they would get brought into the center and they would be nourished back to health as long as the parents committed to attending nutrition classes so they could teach them how to make the most nutritious food with the with the smallest amount of budget that they had to work with. And so not all the kids there, um, some of the kids were abandoned there. So sometimes the mom would say, sure, sure, I'll, I'll let you take my kid uh, to nourish him. And then she'd disappear, right? Gone, never seen again. Well, one of these kids, her name was Katerine, that happened to Katerine and and that you want to jump in there and well when we go down they said the volunteer work that we were doing while we were there we'd go into this nutrition center and there's you know th I think three of us that were on the trip three volunteers and there's probably 18 kids so at feeding time you're feeding like five kids at one time and all, most of them were under the age of two so um so we had all these little toddlers and babies and infants and everybody that um that we were taking care of and they, they also just needed to be held. So they needed to be fed, they needed to be held, they needed that, that attention and, and closeness. And this little Katerine, well, as you can imagine, with 18 kids and only three volunteers, we were busy all day long. Well, it was right at the beginning of when, when uh, digital cameras were out. And so that first night when Rudy and I were like looking back at our pictures, it turned out this one little girl that we both had every picture was us with this one little girl. And I had just absolutely fallen in love with this, this little, little girl. And so had Rudy and she just connected with both of us. And, um, and I'll never forget because you have to keep in mind, these are severely mal malnourished kids. And what really hit me was 
um, right after lunch, we go back to change their diapers and clean them up after lunch. And, um, and I, it, she had worn a sundress the whole time. And so I go back and I go to change her diaper and I pull back her dress for the first time. And I see that big distended belly oh. and just how, and, and then it, then it hits me, her hair's almost blonde and there's not a lot of blondes in Honduras. <laughs> she has a lot of very dark hair. It's the malnutrition. And so the parrot, she had parasites in her stomach and she had this horribly, you know, uh, discolored hair because of the, the malnutrition and everything. And so that just really struck me. And we realized that we were both so drawn to this one little girl and we found out the next day she had been abandoned. And so in the course of this, this time that we're there, um, we really feel this call to adopt. Um, you know, this, this little girl had suddenly been dropped in our lap. And at the time we had two kids at home, like I said, two little kids at home. We thought our family was kind of done, you know, we're <laughs> whatever. Um, and, um, and God just put this really powerful call to, to adopt in our hearts. Now, long story short, um, that, that adoption didn't turn out, but it was, I truly believe God's way of one, putting a, a call to just feel a, this tremendous love for the children of Honduras and that that even though she's not a part of our family, she will always be a part of our hearts. And we still to this day pray for her, you know, mm -hmm. on, in our daily prayers. And and um, it opened our hearts in other ways because now we have two more kids and one of those is adopted and all these things that just amazing things that God, God puts in our heart. But that experience really is what brought us to just really feel this connection with the people of Honduras. And we just met so many amazing people that when we came back to Texas um, with another friend of ours who was also um, in the process of trying to adopt some children from, from Honduras um, successfully, um, they, uh, she's, she and a group of volunteers decided to start uh, Friends of Los Niños. And so at that point it was born because we saw this amazing work that was being done through that sister parish relationship, through that one center. But when we went out in the community, we just saw there were so many other needs um, mm -hmm. and we wanted to help in, in another way. So um, that's how it was born. And it started with um, our work with, uh, with an orphanage called Coperme um, with uh, Sister Teresita and the School Sisters of, of Notre Dame. Um, just working with uh, these kids who, most of them have come to the orphanage because uh, they've been, either their parents are, have, are deceased um, or they have been abused in some way, physically, sexually, um, emotionally, a lot of them, um, just really some tremendously horrific stories. Uh, but they come to this place and we saw the joy um, that they have in this orphanage where they know I'm gonna eat today. I have a, I have a safe place to live, I, you know, and um, it's just an incredible experience to feel even just a, a little part of that, um, you know, in, in whatever way we can. That's beautiful. And I love that um, Cobra May is a big part of Friends of Los Niños, and you allow all of us to journey alongside those kids and to get to know them. And we get to have Skype calls with our, um, our little girls that we sponsor in Cobra May and uh, just like they're part of our family in a way, like my kids feel like they're ours and um, it's really beautiful. 
but you also are doing so much outreach into the community as well. Because I think one thing that was really kind of shocking and mind-blowing for me is that a lot of those kids actually have very loving parents, right? Who would love to support and take care of them, but because there's such a financial crisis in Honduras, they just don't have the means to be able to do that. So that tell us about your work in Brisas del Salto. Sure. Yeah, in, in Brisas del Salto, it's a community that um, was essentially established as squatters on the side of a mountain on the outskirts of town. And um, this is an amazing community uh, that really wants to build up and, and they know what they need to do to, to progress. Uh, they just don't have the resources necessarily to do it all themselves. Um, but one of the things we absolutely love about this community is they, they don't wait for help. They, they're really out there um, motivating. Uh, we, we Through the Ashes to Easter grant that we got from the Diocese of Austin many years ago, um, we, we gave them some resources to build gardens so that they could build gardens in their, in their homes. Well, we gave them, you know, shovels and seeds and things like that, which they did, but they also used those hand shovels and everything to build roads through their community. I mean, it's just <laughs> amazing to see with a little bit of resource, just how, how far that can go. And we've been blessed just with, um, again, with grants and donors and sponsors that, that help work with us. Um, we've been able to build a school there. So we have a school that has grades all the way up through sixth grade. Uh, we have a lot of kids that are now going to high school um, that otherwise would not be able to, but thanks to their sponsors, they're, they're able to, to go and do that. And, um, and just uh, in this last month, uh, we started a housing project. So uh, these, these homes, when I say squatters and such on the side of the home, most of the homes were built with cardboard 10 sticks, you know, um, that, that was the extent of, of their homes. Um, and Megan mentioned earlier that there was uh, two hurricanes that hit within two weeks uh, last fall and um, many houses were completely destroyed. Um, the ones that were not destroyed, uh, you know, they, they lost a lot of their belongings because again, they just don't have the protection from the elements. And uh, we uh, have amazing volunteers that step forward to say, you know, we, we got to help them help them help themselves um, change their, their situation. And so we're out um, with a building project and the goal is to build 193 homes for the, the community. Wow. Um, and, you know, it's amazing how we're able to do that. And, you know, um, they even Megan's girls had, a, had enough uh, that they raised through their, their ornament project wow. <laughs> you know, to, to build a house. I mean, just, so it's amazing the stories that we hear of, of how people are coming together to help. And, and we actually, I should share, we have a, a donor who just came forward um, about two weeks ago that said all donations that come in in March and April uh, will be doubled. Um, they're, they're gonna match all of those uh, donations for this housing project. So it's just- That's amazing. When it, kind of what Rudy said in the beginning, we figured out a long time ago when we when we give this over to God and really listen for His His call in all this, it's just unbelievable because there's no way we could do this on our own. <laughs> amazing, that's amazing. You know, the program we're, we're very careful about the program too, right? It's not um, it's not just an open ended let let's give money out of the uh, out to anybody. It's because um, that's that's really not healthy and it really contradicts. Catholic social justice, right? So we're very focused on what's called the art of social justice, right? So act, respond, and transform, or, or act, reflect, and transform. So act is, you know, meeting the need in front of you, right? So you see the homeless person on the street, you give them some money, sure. But then you reflect what, what caused this situation to occur, mm -hmm. right? 
-hmm. and then transform. What can I do to make a difference, to change, to prevent that from happening again, to try to break that uh, cycle? So like our work at the orphanage, it's really about supporting um, the orphanage itself. So most of our funding goes to make sure the building is maintained and the staff are paid, but it's also to support education because we're trying to help break a cycle of poverty, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there's an intention behind the way those donations are structured. And we actually send an audit team once a year to verify that that's done, right? That the things are done the way we expect them to be. And that we work in a collaborative way with that project. The same thing happens in Breezes. You know, we, we work with other villages too, but we don't give anywhere near the support to, that we do to Breezes because Breezes has stepped forward and said, here's what we're going to do. Here's our sweat equity. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so then we can make an investment because we know we're not, we're not going to, you're not going to abuse the gift and we're not going to abuse your human dignity by giving you something that you can do for yourself, mm-hmm. right? So, so that's a really important key, not just for them philosophically or theologically, but also for our own volunteers, right? We're not just going to build, we actually witnessed that in another village, right? Another organization came through this village and just built the houses and they built them themselves. They just, they, they sent busloads of teenagers and they built the houses. Mm-hmm. Well, then that community literally stopped working because wow. they knew that they were going to be supported mm-hmm. and it caused a lot of problems for that particular organization back home. And we, you know, we'd help a little bit, but, but, and even that organization figured out that's the wrong approach, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's gotta be some buy-in from the community Mm-hmm. Or else they're going to sit there and just wait to be served. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're that what we're doing affirms the dignity of the people who live there. Mm-hmm. So for the housing project in Breezes, each of the families, they they put like groups together. So like five or six families all work together on each other's homes. So mm-hmm. while we're providing the resources, they together as a community are building their community together. So it's just it's, it's a beautiful amazing. program. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love that so much because even before the hurricanes came through, they were constantly at risk of um, just the rainy season taking their houses down and having to rebuild. And, you know, we just went through a huge snowstorm, which I'm sure in Switzerland, you're probably more used to than we are here. (laughs) But it was shocking to see, even with the amazing infrastructure that we have in America, how difficult it was for us. And to think about two hurricanes hitting within two weeks of each other, with no infrastructure whatsoever in, mm-hmm. in an area where water pools and collects on a normal year, much less with a hurricane mm-hmm. and what that would have done uh, to, to be in a hurricane without a strong, sturdy structure. I can't imagine, like, I can't imagine that fear for their children. And um, it's, it's just beautiful that you guys are giving, allowing them to have a way to build their own mm-hmm. homes and um, have safety out of that. Yeah. It's really good. I have a question for y'all. So for me, whenever I, you know, my heart is tugged in a certain direction. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I see the big picture of what I want to do. I get very overwhelmed with the little steps that have to be done to get there. Mm-hmm. So you guys went um, to Honduras on a mission trip and then bam, there's this ministry that's serving the country. How did you not get overwhelmed with what were the baby steps? Like, how did you, how did that happen? That's that it just blows my mind. It's incredible. It, it was, it was baby steps because I do really sometimes look at it and go, wow, how did we get to where we are today? You know, because it really was not, you know, it was never thought that, that it would be this, this big. I mean, yeah. I've 
<laughs> it probably would jobs, things like that. You know, yeah. if you thought, way. if you thought I'm trying to build this ministry to this level, mm-hmm. it probably would be overwhelming, right? Like, and you almost have to Absolutely. be. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing was we, we started with just little things. There, there was little ways of, of helping, um, you know, sister, case full of clothes. Yeah. Uh, sister Teresita, you know, we knew how old the kids were. Could, could we bring down some clothes to, to help the kids? So we would ask our friends and you know, <laughs> Megan does that. We put things in the church bulletin and say, Hey, you know, can people donate some clothes or donate some to- deodorant or, you know, uh-huh. things like that, that, that we could take down. And we started in inviting groups to go down. I think it was 2007 um, that we started taking groups of volunteers down. And I think that that's really when things started growing exponentially mm-hmm. um, because it really, it was about touching other people's hearts. And it was really about that baby step was, you know, first, well, for some people, it was the baby step is going on that first trip. Sometimes that's even way too big of a trip, you know, for, for people, that's too much of a, a commitment. So we, we also started to find ways to help people who could be involved that couldn't go. Um, so, you know, different ways like, like volunteering to make bags of um, kind of like the hope bags that we do for the homeless and such, uh, do, but doing some bags like that for us to bring down, um, making first aid kits with our RE kids at, at, at church um, that we could take down and give out to uh, some of the communities and such. Um, or even just, um, or, or starting, we started a sponsorship program so that people could, who couldn't go, but they wanted to do that connection, kind of like what, what Megan was just talking about, you know, to have a child that they can write to and speak to on, on FaceTime or Skype or something and, and have that connection. So I think those little ways of, of inviting people in, because I think there's so many people out there that want to help in some way, they just don't know how to get started. And that's really critical. It's, it's, it's don't do it by yourself, mm-hmm. right? It's baby steps and inviting other people in and just admitting, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, <laughs> right? So does anybody have this experience? Let me know how. I mean, when we first started, there wasn't a Friends of Los Ninos and there was a Friends of Los Niños, but we weren't involved with Friends of Los Niños, mm-hmm. right? That was a Dallas-based organization, and we lived in Round Rock. And when we started to try to think through infrastructure for the organization, our friend in Dallas said, well, what, just use Friends of Los Niños. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, bam, okay, that's already done. So we began running the trips through Friends of Los Niños. It was just, so things kind of just progressed, but we, that wouldn't have happened if we, if we were closed-minded, right? Mm-hmm. We were totally open to everything else around us. And even when we go on these trips, we encounter people from mission programs all around the country. Mm-hmm. And so we, we talk to them. I mean, we talk to them all the time and we see them in the airport. We talk to them, we network. Katrina has been to a, it's kind of a private conference of several of these groups that got together just to talk about our minute, to coordinate our ministries mm-hmm. in Honduras so that we wouldn't step on each other's feet. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, but, but that also was a kind of a, a several baby steps and a conflict at the orphanage led us to realize, oh, snap, we should work together. You know, <laughs> we, should, we should have a conversation. And, and so just being open to, really, you know what it is? It's being open to making mistakes mm-hmm. and learning from your mistakes. And sometimes we're afraid of mistakes, right? We're afraid of looking foolish, yeah. but that's really the trick is it's okay to make a mistake because we learn from it, right? And then we can build from there. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I guess it was maybe 2018 or so, 17, I started to have this really strong call in my heart for Honduras. And it was 
growing like crazy. <laughs> and um, every picture I saw of the kids in the orphanage and everything I saw in Brisa's, I was just like, my heart was burning. And I kept going to Chad and saying, I think I'm being called to go on a trip. I think, I'm, and he really felt strongly that I wasn't. Mm -hmm. like he, it, he, sometimes the Lord speaks through my husband in a very strong way. <laughs> and when he does, I have to listen to that, you know? And I could just tell that there was something that God was telling Chad and we didn't really know what it was. And right around, I think like that same week, I got an email from Katrina and she said, Hey, I have this idea to have a camp for, um, for kids to, to do like a mini mission trip. Like we're going to pretend we're taking them on a trip to Honduras and teach them all about the kids that we serve there and, you know, all the sustainable living that we're doing and how we can love and support. And it would be a fundraiser. Would you want to do that? And I was like, yeah, I mean, as much as I want to be a boots on the ground mission girl, mm -hmm. I'm a teacher. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and of course it wasn't the same as going there, but it was so neat to see the way that God had like orchestrated this and mm -hmm. called me, but, but it looked different than what I thought it was going to look like. Mm -hmm. And that Katrina was so open to the spirit to see that this was what was needed. And then to ask me, and, and that was probably one of the most like memorable things I've ever done is we did that for two years in a row. And the kids were so awesome. empowered too. I think it really planted so many seeds to, to further the mission. Yeah. Well, kids want to serve and love. Like mm -hmm. they really, it's absolutely part of them. Like if we can encourage that, it's beautiful. Yeah. And I think that piece, because I think one of the things of like Megan, whenever you did that, that mini mission, I mean, one of the things that we talked about is that you know, while, while we are talking about Honduras and we're talking about going and serving there and everything, um, the other piece is you, you don't have to go to another country to serve. <laughs> you yeah. start serving at home, then you serve in your community, and then you serve, um, you know, the broader community. So I, I think that that's also important that we, you know, while, while we would love to have all of your listeners come and, <laughs> and, and go with us to Honduras, you know, I think that being open to, to seeing and and serving, like I said, serving your family at home and serving um, your neighbor down the street is also just as important and it needs to be part of our, our, our listening to where God's calling us to serve. Yeah, well, some, absolutely. For some people, the retreat experience opened their, you know, the mission trip experience opened their minds and hearts to ways to serve in their own communities that they hadn't thought of before. Because sometimes, well, too often politics gets in the way, right? So we, we look at people in our own country and we are quick to judge and say, well, what did you do wrong mm. to get in this situation? Why can't you pick yourself up by your own bootstraps? And, and sometimes it takes a, a trip, like a mission trip. It's like jumping into a, a bath of cold water, right? To kind of wake you up and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm. This isn't about politics. It's about responding, right, to a need. And, and, and then the political discussion can be, how do we transform? And, and how do we do that in a way that makes sense? But the immediate situation isn't political. It's just responding to the person mm. of Jesus Christ in front of you, mm. right? But sometimes it takes a really dramatic event to, to get people to see that. And that's the value of going on a foreign mission trip or even a local mission trip. Like you go to the Catholic Heart Worker Camp or something like that. Those are great experiences to help people kind of open up and say, wow, there really is need in my own community and I can be doing something, but I never saw it before. You mm -hmm. know? And I had someone was asking me on the internet yesterday on Facebook about um, her child is seven years old and he was getting really kind of snappy and difficult with everyone in the family. And for me, when my kids go through those kind of moments of either just bickering or arguing or not being grateful for what we have, like 
that's the perfect moment to dive into some sort of work right in your home, in your area. Like find someone that you can love and serve and do it because it, that can be like that little mini mission trip moment where it wakes up the child and says, you know what? Like there's more out there than just me and my concerns. Yeah. And, and the world is bigger than just me. And, and I can really be a part of loving someone else today right here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The first time we took our, our oldest child with us to Honduras, it was awesome because, you know, he was going through one of those phases Yeah. and when he came and before he went, you know, his language was, I, I need an iPhone. I need it. <laughs> and, and when we when we came back from Honduras, his vocabulary changed all on his own. He kept saying, he would say, I want an iPhone. But that that's a huge difference from I need to I want, right? Because he even started to recognize, okay, I don't need this to survive, yeah. but I'd like to have. Mm-hmm. That that's monumental, right? That's a great teaching moment, you know. Our favorite moment with his, him was when he came back, um, he, he went the, the year between his eighth grade and freshman year. He comes home his freshman year from some workout camp or something, and he throws down his bag. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what happened? You know, what's wrong? And he's like, some kid was complaining because his parents didn't buy him these $100 tennis shoes or whatever, $200 tennis shoes or whatever. He goes, we fed a whole village for $200 in Honduras, do you? And he goes, I told that kid, do you know you can feed a village for the price of those shoes? And I was like, woohoo, praise wow. God. Proud mama moment. <laughs> I, remember that. I remember when Rudy, his name is also Rudy. Uh, but I remember when Rudy went and came back because he did, he came, there was the, he was a different kid when he came back. And I, of course, I adore him. <laughs> I, got to, <laughs> I got to be his youth minister all through high school. And yeah. I just, yeah, I saw the difference that it made in him. That's He's a fantastic beautiful. kid. So for families that do have young children, um, but yet, you know, want to go on mission trips, how does that look? Like, what does that look yeah. like? So, you know, every, I think every family knows you have to know your own kids. So, mm-hmm. um, so a- as an organization, we, we usually encourage people to, um, to really reflect on that and pray about that. If, if they want to bring their child on a trip with us, mm-hmm. um, we always require a parent come with them um, up to if, if they're under 16, the, the parent needs to come with them. Um, and and you have to understand the level of maturity, emotional maturity that your child has, because it is heart-wrenching. Adults who go with us, mm-hmm. you know, really have problems sometimes processing the, the poverty. I mean, and, and, you know, and also dealing with the fact, you know, people, we do a retreat on the last day before we, we come home. And we often, you know, people are reflecting and some people struggle with, you know, how does God let this happen? You know, so we, we have to really help people kind of process through that. And, and kids, it can be a wonderful, monumentous, uh, you know, opportunity for them to just see and appreciate everything that they have and, and learn and love to, to serve others. It can also be really challenging for them if they're not prepared emotionally to, to support that. We also do some formation meetings before we go to help people prepare um, for, for that journey. Um, but I do think that parents really have to pray about that to, to understand when is the right time to bring my child. Yeah. So our older two boys, we did not bring until they were like late middle school, early high school. Um, we we actually did a, a, a my 
favorite trip ever that we took um, was I the the year after my my dad passed away. Um, one of the things my dad was a man of no regrets, but one of the things he regretted is he never got a chance to go on a trip with us. So the year after he died. Um, all but one of my siblings um, went to uh, to Honduras um, with us, and we had 21 of us, <laughs> all just my immediate family members um, and spouses and such, and one of my sisters, and one of his sisters as well, and my mom even went with us, um, and we just went down as a family to love and serve and do that in honoring my my dad's memory, who who definitely you know were, was an important part of my formation mm-hmm. of. of feeling that service to, you know, love to give. And, um, and we brought our kids that were, were younger. And so my, my nieces and um, children who were like in that 10, I think they were probably about 10, um, 11 at that, that time, that was probably the youngest that I would encourage um, bringing, but they were, but they had also been raised around this. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they know that as soon as they outgrow something, oh, that goes in the bag for Honduras. You know? <laughs> so, um, yeah. But again, I think every parent has to know their kids. And I would also say, start with serving at home, you know, start with serving. Uh, if you can go out, you know, our kids, we also, I think felt like prepared them because we went out and served the homeless in Austin, you know, we go out and serve, you know, they do the mobile loves and fishes camp, yeah. <laughs> you know, some of those yeah. kind of things where, where they get to see poverty up close. And, and again, it's, this is a whole nother level of poverty, but it's important that that they are not shocked by it. I mean, maybe maybe it is okay that they're shocked by it, um, but that, that, that they are able to process that information. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage families, again, to know what their, their kids are, are, are ready for, what parents are ready for, because it's also parents often, you're processing. I actually encourage parents, come by yourself first and then bring your kids, <laughs> because then you'll be a little bit more prepared to, yeah. uh, to help them through that, that processing. Yeah. And Katrina mentioned mobile loaves and fishes camp. I don't know that we've ever really talked about that much on the podcast, but it's about that time of year. And I'm pretty sure they're gearing up and they're going to be able to have a camp this summer because of COVID they had to cancel last year. Um, and Kendra and I have been on the team that's created it for several years now. And if you've never sent your kids to mobile loaves and fishes camp, I absolutely recommend that. I mean, our, our kids have all gone. The Vireal's kids have gone. Um, it's, it is a huge part of it is just that human dignity piece of um, teaching kids to look for the dignity in others mm-hmm. and to always um, treat people with dignity and to find little ways to serve. Like, hey, maybe I can do a lemonade stand in the front yard and raise yeah. $50 that might buy some band-aids for kids in Brisa del Salto. Like there's just little ways that kids can go outside themselves um, and take care of others. And then there's bigger ways, right? There's like these big, big ideas and big trips and things like that. But we really focus a lot on just what's a way that you can serve right here, right now. Um, and it's great for kids. So mlfcamp.org. I can put that in the show notes too. I highly recommend yeah. it. Yeah. Well, this is fantastic. Do you have any other questions for this? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I have a lot to go talk to my husband about. <laughs> <laughs> vacation this summer when you go on a mission trip you do something oh, you know gosh. just be more intentional about it because my kids are wonderful god bless them but they're definitely in the me-centered phase right now and my husband and i have been talking about that and needing to shift that and how do we turn that around and it's definitely um trying to get their perspective to change and look outward instead of inward so 
You know, it would be wonderful. And I don't know if you guys have any ideas, but are there places like in Texas that you could go on mission trips, like places that are safe to take kids that would be mm-hmm. good for families, you know, because I think that's right. a lot of it too, is it's hard to fly across the, the world with right. four little ones <laughs> and try to do some sort of trip, right. but it, it would be really, but we have this range of 13 down mm-hmm. to two Yeah, and my older ones want to serve my little ones. We need to take with us, you know, it's, yeah. it's tricky. <laughs> Yeah, what to think about it that. is tricky. It definitely is, but there are, I think, a lot of great, great ways and great places to to serve, um, you know, locally. So, uh, and maybe maybe we can send you a couple of links that you yeah. could put in some of the pod notes, uh, podcast notes, um, for uh, uh, for resources for families and such. Yeah, yeah that'd be really good. We would right. love that. Well, I know for me, I tend to get like a little overexcited. I'm like, we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna go here, and we're gonna fly there. So it's always good for me to calm down and say like that's not what God's calling you to right now, (laughs) you know, just be careful and, and take one foot, one step forward, like do one thing. Be intentional. Yeah. Be intentional and the small things. Yeah. You don't have to, you know, save the world today. Just do what, take one step. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the body of Christ is for. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's really an important point, right? It's, it's, it's not always about saving the world today as much as it is teaching about being open to helping. Mm-hmm. right it's 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 teaching right so so our and that's really kind of been a light dawns on marble head kind of experience for me is it's really about me understanding my role is to help prepare people who are coming behind me yeah right so it's so it's not about me serving because that's spotlight on me right it's really about me serving in union with other people to help them know and have the skills so they can do it when I'm gone, mm-hmm. right? And so, so like you said something earlier about that, the mobile, I mean, our, our Honduras camp that you designed for us at, in, in St. Javiani, that was really a beautiful experience because it was a teaching opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we need to, to find some great opportunities. Like I think that you're both talking about is how do we teach our kids without necessarily having to go out of the country to do it? Yeah. And, and maybe that's gonna have to be the start of another arm of this ministry. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is how all of these things start, just so you know, Megan. <laughs> I'm so bad about just wanting to jump out and do it, though. Like, no, yes. take a step back. Great. But we have been talking a lot to you about the Holy Spirit and like really being open to the Spirit. And then when you feel that tug, mm-hmm. the action piece, you know, and I love the the acronym that you used earlier of art, but like really listening for the spirit, praying, Mm -hmm. being discerning, and then taking that step, like not hiding in fear, not shrinking and not just barreling through without prayer, but like finding that middle, middle ground. I feel like God's calling me to this and maybe I'm just going to take a step and see what happens. Mm -hmm. I think it's big. Yeah. And teach our kids to do that too. Like, I think that's, what's been fun with, with our kids is they've done, um, Every year they have a lemonade stand and you guys know this. <laughs> and uh, that it. started with, we went to see Cinderella one day, the movie Cinderella. And afterwards they they were so moved by the virtue in that movie. They mm-hmm. decided like, we just started talking about like kids living in, in, in Honduras and orphanage. And, and they said, well, we want to have a lemonade stand right now. And they went inside this before you moved in, I think. They went inside and pulled out all the candy that they could find and granola bars mm-hmm. from our pantry. They were like kindergarten and first grade. And they sat on the front front lawn and we told all of our friends and they raised $60 that day. <laughs> and I think it went like we started and, and they wrote on there, 
this is for Honduras and they spelled Honduras terribly. It was <laughs> but it was that awesome. little, like, yeah, that little act of, you know what, I'm going to try something today turned into four or five years later, they're continuing to do this yearly mm-hmm. lemonade stand. And now Kendra's kids are, are a big part of it. And now the kids are just handling it on their own. It's not even yeah. us. Like they just go. And then they figured out they could get things matched. So now they're getting like double the donations <laughs> and they've changed, you know, they haven't always done Honduras, awesome. a lot of other ministries that they've donated to, but like just teaching kids mm-hmm. that when you feel that tug on your heart to take a step forward, I think yeah, it's really cool to too. And you're good at empowering them. Yeah. yeah. I get a little excited sometimes. <laughs> a little excited, I think. That's great. So, well, this is wonderful, you guys. And I, um, I hope that everyone who's out there listening, like if you're feeling a tug on your heart um, to to learn more about Friends of Los Niños, I can put it in um, the show notes and I might even post some pictures on our Instagram of our sweet little, um, the kids in, in the orphanage and embraces. And, you know, what I love is that we actually know these kids by name. Like they, I, I feel like that we get to be a part of their story and their lives. Um, so I would love to share some of them with you too. But if you're feeling called to something completely different, like just pray into it, write it down, yeah. spend some time, um, just really discern where that call might be leading like mm-hmm. what is God saying in this little nudge like if you're feeling a burn in your heart right now there's probably something he's calling you to yeah and take uh, a step. yeah take a step take with a it. step before we close we need to do our traditional Mary Bielski oh I forgot um, I know. Megan <laughs> don't ask me yet <laughs> okay because I forgot about this question so we we like to ask what is God doing in your heart right now so Katrina can I start with you what is God doing in your heart right now yeah. Okay. So I was thinking about this because I listened to your podcast with Mary Bios. Just, uh, just last week. So I was like, oh, okay. They're going to ask me this. Um, <laughs> no, really been praying about this because I think, um, I think God is just really, uh, and keep hearing the word, you know, like surrender and obedience and such. And as I mentioned at the beginning, that that's not my strong point. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's not my gift. Um, and, but I've, live with the deacon who, you know, kind of is the epitome of obedience, you know, so, um, so I really think that the God's really calling me to, in quiet ways, to, to let go a little bit more. I, I used to be a little bit more, God had to whack me on the head with a two by four for me to listen to him. And, and now I think trying to just feeling a little bit more of the, the surrender to, to his call and that it's all, it's going to work out because, God's, God's got this handled. So I think he's really just giving me some, some peace about that. Um, so that's really what's been working in my heart right now. Oh, that's beautiful. So does that mean he's, um, leading you from triple A to double A <laughs> type double A? Maybe, maybe, maybe single A. Maybe. <laughs> we'll have to ask Rudy that one. <laughs> that's awesome. Deacon Rudy, how about you? What is God doing in your heart right now? You know, I, I really felt a very strong call that to try to help people not only connect with their faith, but, but put their faith into action mm-hmm. in a way that brings other people to Jesus. So I'm really focused this year, I think, on trying to help evangelize and teach people skills to evangelize. That, that's really what's on my heart. Mm, I love that. That's amazing. That that makes me. We make another podcast for that, right? I know. And sorry for asking this, and but how is the church in Switzerland? So there's two churches in Switzerland, right? There's the there's the Swiss Catholics, mm-hmm. and they're a dying church. 
Okay. For a lot of reasons, they're a dying church. Uh, and then there's the international churches, right? So all the people who are here for work, they form these missions, which are not really, they're nonprofit organizations. So like we belong to an English mission, but it's really like an English club because mm-hmm. the bishop doesn't have the authority to tell us we can or can't meet. Mm-hmm. And we hire our own priest through the city and the priest is educated, has to go to mandatory um, formation classes organized by the city that some of the classes he's been to are taught by atheists. Wow. I mean, it's, it's a wild, wow. it's a wild experience. That's what's like. It's not, we really don't understand freedom mm-hmm. of religion in mm-hmm. our country. That, I didn't know that until I got here. And then I was like, wow, it's, we, we just don't know how good we have it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. We will pray for Switzerland and for your mission and what God's doing on your heart mm-hmm. to step step into that and evangelize and I love that transform. So what's God doing in your heart, Kendra? <laughs> I'm gonna go laugh. <laughs> <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> um, so I don't know. So the last podcast with Jim Beckman um, just really got me stirring, and, and a little bit before that, just about asking big asks for God and not being afraid of those big questions. And so I still been praying into that and, um, Lord has, you know, leading me through these moments in scripture, showing me how, um, so much has been transformed and changed and big things, big answers to big asks. And, um, and then today he led me to Luke 24 and it's a resurrection of Jesus. Like he resurrected, like that's huge, you know? And, um, and Jim said, um, God's not only open to the big ass, but he's begging us to ask it. Yes. And so I, mm, I'm just revving up, man. <laughs> I have some big ass going on and, I, and I'm just going to hit it. So. That's exciting. <laughs> That's me. Awesome. Here, here we go, y'all. Right. Megan, um, what about you? What's that doing in your heart? I don't really have like a solid answer for this right now, but um, I think I walked into Lent like with that excitement and that spirit of like, I'm going to have all this time with prayer with the Lord and we're going to just, it's going to be beautiful. And he's Mm going to speak to my heart and, um, life is really busy right now Mm -hmm. with a baby and, um, multiple sick people in my family that I cannot seem to get everyone healthy all at the same time. And, uh, so it's been kind of a little bit of a letdown. Um, and, and almost to the point where I was like judging myself and my own, like, well, you felt, you you know, you felt with this and, and the Lord's saying like, there's no right or wrong. We just rest, like just rest in me, spend time with me. And so I got to take Kendra's holy hour on Monday and just sit with the Lord. And that was beautiful. And, um, and I get to go and speak at adoration at a, an adoration worship night and next week. And I'm so excited. I'm me so <laughs> excited. You're too. Yes. I, I'm excited to be in a room full of people, um, worshiping because mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we have that at mass, but there's just something beautiful and tangible about people in front of the blessed sacrament and mm-hmm. communion together and the Holy spirit flowing. And I think what I'm most excited about is it's a family event and I get to show kids how wonderful it is to be in the presence of the Lord. And mm-hmm. I think that's what, I think that's the thing that he's reminding me is like to just hunger for the Eucharist, to hunger for being near him and adoration mm-hmm. and prayer. And I get to just like, show like just tell me I'm like shaking because I'm so excited but just like tell these kids how amazing it is to be in his presence and um to just allow them to sit at his feet and worship so that's what I'm excited about that's wonderful <laughs> God is so good he's yeah. so good it's gonna be it's gonna be cool I'm excited 
All right, guys. Well, thank you. Need you need to live stream them. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they will. I'll ask him. I mean, they live stream everything on Sundays. <laughs> they have the equipment. Yeah. Oh, I'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. So we can't wait for you guys to come home. And I can't wait to see um, where the Lord takes you with this call for evangelization, Rudy. Like, yeah. Our church needs it you know, in Austin, but also the broader church. And I'm excited. Yeah. Switzerland needs it. And Switzerland needs it too. <laughs> we all do. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Y'all have a good evening. I mean, the sun has gone down over there. Oh yeah. It's windows. nighttime, right? Yeah. We just <laughs> the time change. Kendra and I do not do well with time no. change. Thank goodness you handled that for us. We would yeah. not, not do very well with that. No. <laughs> okay. Well, have a good evening. Thank you. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. told you you guys were going to love them. Rudy is just so filled with wisdom and joy for the gospel. And I can't wait to have him back again and have him just share more of his um, excitement for evangelization and his PhD. So I hope that this episode inspired you. Um, Maybe God's been kind of tugging on a place in your heart to serve someone near you or someone far away. And maybe there's a calling that's always meant a lot to you and you've just never known how to step out and try something. And and do like Deacon Rudy said, like just take baby steps. Don't try to jump across. You know, just do the next right thing. Like just look something up on the internet, find a friend, ask for help, and start moving forward. So this week, if you live in Austin, Texas and Round Rock, I would love to see your face. We are going to have um, XLT, Praise and Worship and Adoration at my parish on Friday evening, St. John Vianney in Round Rock. And it is open to families um, and to anyone, really, single, married, of any age, children, teens, we would love to have you. And it's going to start with um, a fish fry which is drive-through, but I feel like we could eat on the lawn. (laughs) No one would mind, right? And then they're going to have Stations of the Cross at 6.30, and then the adoration begins after that. And so I will be speaking um, before adoration begins. So I hope that you will come and see us. All right, guys, see you next week. And it's going to be Holy Week, and we have a fantastic episode with Father Will Rooney. You're going to love it. Just trust me on this one. You're going to love it. Bye, guys.